Technology. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This is Creative Clinks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Clinks. Today we are going to chat about breaking into the design industry. Actually, it pretty much could be any industry. This, these tips will probably help everyone. Hello, Georgie. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm well. I'm just here with my bottle of water hydrating because, you know, should be putting that first. So here I am with my Macca's water bottle after having a dirty breakfast, but that's fine. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a good weekend, Georgie. Yes, it was an entertaining one to say the least. So yes, no, just that rest of recovery, which probably should be a sixth point in um, our tips, I think, is that a little bit of TLC and looking after yourself should probably come into this. But I love that. So I actually asked Georgie to do this episode because I recently have been asked by a fellow student of mine to chat about some tips on um, how you get into the design industry and what you need to do to get your big break, I guess. So even though these obviously aren't necessarily rocket science type tips, I think it's actually something that everyone probably needs to remember. Mm. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Mm -hmm. So number one, Georgie, what do you reckon number one is? Number one is create your portfolio and your brand. And look, I thought that it was a good idea to put these two together because I think they go really hand in hand. Just looking back to how I created my brand and how I kind of stumbled across making that logo mark and making that identity is that you've got to be able to present yourself. You've got to be able to find your finest works or things that you previously worked on that, you know, it might not be a real project. It might be from uni. It might be a mock brief you've given yourself. But being able to refine the work you've done to make it presentable to someone where if you're wanting to apply for a job or have just proof of your work for potential customers if you're going out on your own. I remember when I was doing my portfolio, key component is to come up with a brand for yourself. And that's how I just came up with the original Georgie. So I felt like creating a portfolio and a brand for yourself, an identity that if people saw, it would intrigue them. It would sell curiosity. It would lead them to jumping onto your website, looking at your your socials if they came across an ad that you'd made. Then being able to have that beautiful refined work to show off that, yeah, I can do it and I'm crushing it. You should hire me or you should seek out my services. So I think they go quite hand in hand. How did you personally come across, like create your brand, Barbie? Look, just from what you were saying then, actually with the whole portfolio thing, I just want to add to that very quickly. I think too, if you look back at your portfolio, even from what you did at uni, to also update it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, only because I look back at like portfolio that I did when I did my diploma, Mm. which was years ago, compare it to what I did for my degree. I can see how far I've come and how much I've grown um, and my skills have increased. So don't just do your portfolio and then just like forget about it. Even in six or nine months, you might also go, hey, my style has kind of changed. You know, actually, that's probably not me anymore anyway. And it's also got to be reflective of who you are either wanting to see your work If, you know, you're applying for a a job whose style is very kind of unique, you've also kind of got to reflect that a little bit in your portfolio. So definitely. Oh, I look back to my very first portfolio. It was done in a word. Oh my God. It was just, oh, I was so proud of that. (laughs) 
I know, me too. I look back and I'm like, look, some of those works were okay, but it's even just the way I presented it. It was so like, and I think it's that those moments where, you know, I don't give myself much credit, but at that point I was kind of like, wow, I definitely have come a long way. Like, and that was pre-education in any kind of graphic design or any layout and, and understanding how all of that works and how to beautifully present something. It was pretty cool to see how that massive difference in what I've done and and just learning and evolving. Like you said, six months even or 12 months down the track, look back at it and it's like, okay, this isn't actually aligning with what I'm doing now or what I'm capable of. Uh And actually speaking of which, I probably should update my own portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my friendly reminder on to do that. Yeah. We had spoken to someone recently who said that to be able to get this job, they saw this business and all their clients and they took those clients' works and remade them and took that and made their own mock brief to be able to improve and do their own flair of how they would have interpreted that brief. And then they got a job. Awesome. Because they the workplace was so stunned. They said, no one's ever done this before. You need to start yeah. tomorrow. And it's going, okay, I'm, I would love to work here. What's the lengths you're going to go to, to get that job and being able to find previous briefs or even just their clients and making up your own brief of how you'd approach something. So true. And that also proves that you're hungry for it. Yes. You know, it's not just about getting the job. It's showing that you are so hungry and your brand is aligning with that business's brand as well. Mm. So I love that. Like I do, I love the idea and I have heard of that a few times about people taking an existing project, let's say, of a, I'm just going to say an interior design firm and then reworking it with their own spin and then presenting it to that company to say, hey, this is what I would have done as well. I just think that's got guts to do that, you know, to say, hey, this is how I would actually do it. Shows confidence, it shows you're hungry, and it shows you've actually got your own thought processes and skills that maybe they didn't look at it before like you have. So yeah, I love that. Mm. But um, yeah, in relation, sorry, in relation to, I guess, your own personal brand, for me, I was speaking to someone who was saying, you know, it sounds so simple and not everyone has, I guess, this ability, but use your name all the time. So for me, like I changed my business name from just Onyx Studio to Onyx Studio by Barbie Payton. And I did that because I wanted to get my name out there, right? So I want people to think of my name constantly, whether it's associated with Onyx or whether it's associated with, I don't care what it is. If they hear my name, they'll go, oh, I've heard of you before, which also obviously gives a little bit more credibility because I think the whole point of having a personal brand is to show the world what you can do, whether it's your peers, could be for me, I know as a designer, we have a lot of suppliers that constantly are are contacting us, right? I mean, it's kind of like a never ending thing for me. I'm just like constantly have suppliers contacting, but that's good because it, it means that my name is getting out there. So once your name's getting out there, other people will start mentioning you and start talking about you. If you do have some kind of unique name or whatever, like I do, and also this other person who I spoke to recently at uni um, has, use it to your advantage. Find a way to make you stand out from other people. And definitely, you know, use social media. If that's something that you really enjoy doing, create a feed on Instagram or or LinkedIn or something. Actually, LinkedIn is a huge one. Georgie, you need to oh, be more active I on know. <laughs> I am so – and even now with Facebook and things, I'm I'm pretty slack on it all. And even just with LinkedIn. Oh, I'm on Facebook. Oh, I see yeah. you post on LinkedIn all the time. I'm like, oh, I need to do that. 
Yeah. You know why? I mean, because at the end of the day, LinkedIn is, it's pretty much purely there for business. Mm. Mm. Instagram's not necessarily, and you probably find anyway, let's say, you know, you've got a following of 20,000 people. You might actually find that only like 2,000 of them are actual people that are interested in your work. Yeah. LinkedIn is like a genuine platform for finding connections within your industry and liking and just posting, commenting, whatever, even if, yeah, even if it's as simple as liking, you can see when your connections have liked something and your name just pops up on people's feeds constantly. And even with that, in regards to using your name, I think the other side of it is it makes it, it makes you relatable. It doesn't like, you know, you can have a business name and then, I don't know, think of it like a fence. If you've got your brand on one side and then everyone else is on the other, there's no real personal connection to it. But if you, I think if you've got your name involved in it, then it just breaks down that barrier that someone can connect with you on a more personal basis at that point. Yes, agree. And as they're viewing your work, they can nearly feel like they know you. I think it does definitely break down that barrier and open it to connection when someone has been identified, I think. And that's why I came up with the original Georgie. Like even, look, I don't have a very unique name. Even if you have a more common name, I'm all here for a good story. I'm here for a bit of fun with things. So, and that's why I thought, I think this play on the OG, you know, is is a great way to be able to utilize my name in that regards. And I can have fun with it. And that's probably the other most important part is that when you're creating a brand and a portfolio, you need to actually enjoy it and be proud of it and and have fun, you know, and be authentic. Yes, exactly. And and I think you'll be that more personally invested in what you're doing. Like, you know, when you're losing motivation and things, you can look at what you're doing and still be proud of it and then get that motivation back again. If you do get into those ruts of, oh, I just can't do this anymore or things like that, it's still something you can then be proud of, um, which I think is really important. That's great. Yep, definitely. What about our second point? Mm, tip number two, identify your target market or your niche. You can't be everything to everyone, right? I think it is really important if you can narrow it down to a certain thing that you're actually really, really good at or a certain group who you know you can relate to authentically. What do you think, Georgie? I I definitely agree with that. It can make it the workload easier and when you are trying to create a portfolio or expanding your portfolio or even just doing work once you've got your ideal target market, you've got your ideal client and they bring work to you. I think if you've found a niche that you personally enjoy and you know that you're good at compared to, you know, whatever else is in your industry or whatever else is in your workplace, it, the projects are so much easier when when you enjoy what you're doing. Like I know I've had a few projects where I don't love the work, I don't love the brief, and it makes approaching it so much more difficult. Learn and adapt and you'll find other little areas you love even more to want to be able to push and that's another niche you can do. How did you come across your kind of niche, I suppose, Barbie? It's interesting because who I've identified is actually it feels like it's a it's like a it's a value of mine personally, right? For me, I've identified people who want a um, authentic lifestyle, people who you know value quality, who value community, and those when I'm those are the businesses that I'm targeting because they're people who I authentically relate to myself. In turn, that means that, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you do your best work when you actually really love what you're doing or who you're dealing with. If I'm working for someone who has the same values as me, 
they're the people that I'm targeting because I'm going to do literally my best work for them, right? So in the end, I'll produce something which in turn is is going to get recognized and attract other people who are like-minded. So that's actually how I've gone down that whole, what my niche is. And it's probably a little bit different from if you go back to like traditional, identify your target market type business question. It would be, oh, okay, I want people who are 25 <laughs> to 40. and But that's what, that's what people think. And it, that's pretty boring. You know what I mean? I don't care what age you are, you know, if we can relate on a more personal, authentic level, then that's who my target market is. Yeah. It's not relatable to anything else. So yeah, that's pretty much it. But I think as well, Georgie, when we were talking about, I guess, our podcast with us starting this podcast is another niche, right? For us, it's another kind of target market. And it's interesting because for me, I've had people... I'm just going to say my, my mentors kind of questioned me doing this, saying, oh, is it professional enough? Even questioning the whole thing with us saying that we're you know, creative clinks, which has to do with having a bit of a cheers, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to apologize or change that because this is authentically us, right? And we've already had people say to us after listening to our podcast that, oh, I love how you guys are relatable. I love how you're not trying to pretend like everything's just like amazing with what you're doing. Doing. So that's our target market is is people who actually want to hear the real, I guess, highs and lows of what we're doing in the design industry, right? Exactly. And we're just being true to ourselves and being authentic to our brands. So that's our niche. And even then, look, on the controversial topic of clinks, I think like even the hard thing is, is that people are automatically associating, which I think we need to be able to expand our minds a bit and, and look past that because a clink, it, like I said, it's a cheers. It, it can be with water. It can be with bloody orange juice and opening conversation because I feel like the most deep and meaningful conversations happen at 2 a.m. in the morning when you have had a big night or you're socializing or just with people and yeah. and just connecting with people. And I think that's really the core of it, being able to open up that market of just being able to connect with people, not even from a strategy of, oh, let's get more clients, let's have a podcast because that'll make us a shit ton of money. Well, it won't. Yeah. It's just it's to be enjoyable. Yeah. It's to connect with people in a different way. And it's been such a rewarding experience. Like we've spoken to so many people that I would never have ever thought I'd speak to. A cheers to the industry and as well as I love a good chin whack. Like I just don't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know yes. that, Georgie. I love that. The next tip that we have for breaking into the industry or getting into any career that you really want to be, I think is probably one of the more important ones is get a mentor. Yeah, 100%. And it could be anyone. Ideally, look, if there's someone who's a professional in what you want to do and you're trying to get like hot tips from them on how to make your own way probably great strategy but even if it's just someone who's like-minded business orientated and being able to inspire you to grow and develop I think that that is what a mentor really is you know I've got several people that are my go-tos to be able to talk to them or just share stories of what I've gone through what what I'm up to learning what they're still getting up to and just get hearing their advice and I think it's grounding like you know people can say so many things but there's always going to be that one or two people that you genuinely listen to even though they're saying the same thing everyone else has <laughs> it's like if yeah, it came from so them true. it must be true yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like don't take advice from your mother but you'll take it from yeah, someone else <laughs> pretty much it's pretty much that so I think it's it's really imperative to have some kind of mentor how who are your mentors Barbie like how how many mentors would you say you'd have 
Well, okay, if I'm just going to do it from actually like more of a professional kind of um, stance. So I have two business mentors who I was very lucky to come across something through our local chamber of commerce here on Sunshine Coast. So they offer a program, which I'd be really interested to see if probably other states do this, and I'm sure they do. So what it was was they had an information session where a whole bunch of people who have small businesses were wanting to find a possible mentor and everyone went and met up and you could have like a little like a I guess a bit of a speed dating um, kind of situation in saying who you are, what you needed and then the mentors did the same thing and in the end I was paired up with two mentors. They're people who have, have either been there, done that and retired or people who are currently in any industry and just have really great business knowledge to make you think outside the box, right? And it's cost me practically nothing. So I know for this mentorship program that I'm doing, it cost me $200 a year, which is nothing. And I meet with them once a month. There are some sessions where I come and I'm just like, I just sit there and I vent to them. And and then there's other sessions where I walk away with like a list of homework to do before I, I come back to the next one. And I'd be mad not to do that. These are people who have been successful in their own right and I'm here to learn constantly. So look, to have to have people like that in your life, I just I think you're mad not to find someone to be able to do oh, that. Yeah. And like from a work stance for me, my mentors are the people I did my internship with and they're like my mothers of the industry. I love it. I love they're that. so lovely. They always check in on me catch up for coffees they have always opened their door to me and they're like you always you come around whenever you like and you know bring a wine or just bring some food and we'll just chat it out and yeah definitely and I think um even just reaching out to someone that you might admire or whatever it might be if, if it's not a long-term relationship mm-hmm. reaching out to someone who you feel like oh gosh you know I love what you love what you do um I'd love to learn from you even sitting down and having one cup of coffee with yeah. someone who's willing to do that and getting some tips that way, you know, that's just a little short-term mentor, which I think is invaluable as well. So definitely try that. I mean, I I think back to uni too. I think unofficially I kind of became mama bear mentored to a lot of the younger students, which was great because I loved doing that because I just had, had previous experience due to age and life, you know, but if you can find anyone who is willing to give you the time of day, who is in your industry, even if they're not, but they've had a successful business, go exactly. for it. Because at the end of the day, it's it's a business. It's, a, it's an overall arching model that nearly anyone could help you with. And ah, that's actually what I was going to bring up is that for fellow graphic designers out there, um, AGDA, which is the Australian Graphic Designers Association, for postgraduate, it's like $120 a year. Once again, tax deductible. It's given me opportunities. Like I did a course the other night. Oh, it was amazing. Another thing is they do a mentorship program. It's always worthwhile to keep doing those kind of things. So Agda is a great resource to be able to be connected with and just even following their socials is a great way to be able to be up to date on the different workshops or programs that they've got running. And it's, it's so worth it. Yep. Actually, I'll just add to that too. Uh, Women in Design and Construction, which is WIDAC, they're nationwide. They have mentorship program as well. So definitely get on board for that if you're in, in any kind of the interior design, architectural industry as well. Love that. All cool. right. Next All point. Right. Next point is 
be proactive. Yep, it's probably the hardest one, hey? Well, I love a very generalized uh, tip, don't we? I know. But no, I think this is probably, it's like the most obvious, but it's also the hardest because being proactive means you need to get out there and make an effort and not wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. And I think that's probably been the biggest point for me that actually has changed the way my business is moving forward at the moment is being proactive. Okay. So that's being proactive on social media. That's being proactive and going to events, networking, um, introducing yourself, picking up the phone, calling other people, sending emails, whatever it might be. If it gets you out of your comfort zone, you're moving in the right direction. It is really probably the hardest thing to do is put yourself out there. But if you don't, there are plenty more people that will do exactly. it. Exactly, And it is a bit of a first in best dressed at that kind of point too. So getting getting your name out there, getting recognized, and the more you do it, the more you'll be seen and present on social media. You've got to be able to use it to your advantage. And especially with the current nature of Facebook marketing and running ads these days, you can pinpoint so specifically that if you found your niche, you know who you want to sell to, you know who you want to work with. Even if you do run ads once a month or once every six months just to be present and popping into people's feed constantly. But just having that regular presence of posting often and engaging with other accounts as well, just showing that you do exist, you are here and you will connect with people. That's that's a really important thing. You've got to do it. You don't really have a choice in it because otherwise someone else will do it. They're going to be more competitive and they're going to be the more likely candidate at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, um, I also think too, I actually, the girl who I was talking to from uni recently, I said to her, do you have a website? Now, when I say, you know, do you have a website? You don't need to have a full on blown website, but even just have a landing page with just a story about yourself and a couple of really nice images or something like that. That's another way to be present. So I just kind of feel like, People, if you're not going to, I guess, get out of your comfort zone and do something that is a little bit harder, requires a little bit of effort, then you're probably not that hungry Mm. for it. Mm. And it can give you a bit of time to reflect and kind of, you know, come back to the groundworks and go, okay, what do I really want here? If this isn't motivating me anymore, what do I actually want to achieve? Do I not want to do this anymore? Or is it that I'm just doing it the wrong way that it's not keeping you motivated? But exactly that, like a website, and that's now starting to become such a huge thing. It's like, and look, Mm. there are different avenues, you know, if money comes down to it, but you can look at, there's well, there are a lot of really cheap avenues, especially with getting domains and things like that these days, but you can use different platforms like Behance if it's really just being able to host your portfolio. It's free. And you can keep and people can connect with you that way. If people are searching stuff like I live on Behance all the time to get inspiration for stuff. So I'm looking at so many other people's portfolios. And if you keep uploading and being present there, you're going to eventually come across in a search. And like I've had a few people engage with my portfolios being on there. And not only is it rewarding when you get someone like appreciates your work, you're like, oh, I'm seen. But it's also a great way that you can have in your resume, here's a link, go and see my work. And because like if you're forever changing and your work is always growing, a a file, like a PDF, it's going to be huge and it can't go through. And there's always these tiny bloody size limits of like files these days when you upload it. So it's a great way to minimize the kind of paperwork, if that makes sense. And being able to host and just grow your portfolio 
continuously on on a platform like that. Behance is a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's linked to it Adobe, is. isn't it? It is. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, so it's a great way to be able to see other people's work, be inspired, but also you could potentially inspire other people. And absolutely free. Very true. Mm. Excellent. All right, last one. Last one. Mindset, the dreaded mm. mindset. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I honestly think that if you haven't got the right mindset, you might be falling behind a little bit, right? So you constantly, just like you are working on your skills, like your website skills, or you're working on your design skills, you also need to work on your mindset skills. It's just as important because if you haven't got that mindset, you don't have that um, drive to succeed, you don't believe that you can su- succeed or you feel there's always going to be someone better than you. I just don't know how far you're going to go with with things. So working on your mindset is just as important as working on growing your, your design skills. You know, again, and I've brought this up so many times, but literally every night I do mindset work before I go to bed. Sometimes I'm like, God, is this even working? But if you're telling yourself positive things and a reflection of who you want to become, then I tell you what, it's probably a lot better than me just watching some rubbish on television just before I go to bed. You know, the last thing you tell yourself supposedly before you go to sleep is what's in your brain. And that's kind of where your um, your attitude is going to come from, from when you wake up the next morning. So I believe that. And I don't know, it's just it's just a part of my my lifestyle now, Georgie. And it's, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I need to re-listen <laughs> to episode 14. yes that's right and you can do it in so many ways like you know there's once again those different avenues of using an app like you do doing it before bed but it's a muscle it's like if you're going to go to the gym and you want to lift 300 kilos you can't do it without practice and so yeah I'm being a hypocrite here but I'm coaching (laughs) myself to change my mindset on this but it's yeah there's so many different avenues Mm -hmm. as well as that it could be a matter of speaking to the mentor and they can help you reset your mindset or there's even heaps of different free workshops like mental health is such a huge thing there's so many different options that eventually you'll be able to discover the one thing that really works for you and whether or not that's just doing it before bed or going to regular events and where they really hone in on mindset and mindfulness and or it could just be physically like yoga, just being able to wind down and be present within the moment. I think that's really, really important. Barbie, there's been too many times that I've called you crying because I feel like a failure and nothing's going right. And I think it's, and I find that so valuable for me. And you're always able to ground me and reset my mindset and re-inspire me to go, okay, no, I can do this. This is just a moment. It will pass. Yeah. You know, something so simple. I, you know, I go and have personal training on Fridays, right? Nice. With, with my legendary friend, Daph. And um, she has taught me the value of mindset in relation to exercise. Okay. Because I feel like already I'm like, oh my God, I'm a bit overweight. I feel sluggish. I'm, you know, I don't feel strong. But so many times when I'm there, she's like, you are stronger than you know. You are stronger than you know. And it is. Most of it, 80% of it, is what's in your mind as to whether you think you can do it or not. And it could be something so simple as, oh, my God, I'll look at that. I'm like, that's 20 kilos. I can't lift that. And she's like, 
you can. I know you can. You've done this before. You can do it. And it's just getting in that mindset. And then funnily enough, you do it and you're like, hell yeah, I can do that. You know, and it's exactly the same with anything in life. Once you've done it once, then you'll find that you actually start believing in yourself. Mm. But when you do get yourself into that mindset where everything's negative and everything's down and you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, you need to find that way and you need to know the ways to cut down all those barriers and and feel, I guess, light again. It's recognizing within yourself what you need to do. And yeah, it may not be an app. It may not be a, it might just be like you said, Georgie, contacting someone who you know is going to go, you got this girl, you know what I mean? Or you just need someone else to tell you that it's okay and I'm here and I'm going to help you get through it. Whoever it is, whatever it is, your mindset at the end of the day is 80% of how you're going to achieve what you're going to achieve, right? I like that one. It's a work in, it's a work in progress. It is. You know, some days I'm, I feel like absolute shit and I can't be bothered doing anything. Other days, girl, I am so motivated. It's not funny. Mm. So, you know, you, you need to recognize that and, um, get on the bandwagon and moves forward. Exactly. And I think even just being able to recognize that it's just a moment. This isn't forever. Because I think that's how you right. can get really quite trapped and then it may become uh, way longer that you're in this rut and yeah. then it stops you from achieving the goals that you want to achieve. Oh, I'm watching Lost. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. I know, right? And one of the things is that they've said in that, which I've, like, seen on these reels, is that when you're going to be doing something difficult, I think in Lost they're like, oh, when I do something scary, I count back from five. But it's even just if you're going to be doing something, if you need to do something you don't want to do, like even if it's as small as getting up early in the morning through to needing to get off the couch and do the cleaning or getting up and doing your portfolio work, it's mm-hmm. count back from five. And it's honestly, I've been doing it for the last week because I've been struggling to get out of bed because it's I value sleep. I love a good sleep <laughs> and a good nap and nap. And so, you know, I've been getting up early to get into work, get the day done. And I've been like, you know, there's been a few times where I've gotten left home way later than I wanted to. So lately, whenever I've got gotten up, my alarm's gone off twice and it's like, okay, three, two, one, and get up. So, you know, it's that, that quick moment where yeah. it's, it's like a pep up or even actually something that's really cool that um, we did a like a conflict resolution thing, like course thing at work one day. And it was, if you're going to go into something that is scary or you don't want to deal with it, you can stand there, you put your hand, like your hands on your hips and pose like a superhero and you look up. And you do that for like 10 seconds. That's also in Grey's Anatomy, by the way. Love that. I've heard this before. You do the Superman pose and it gives you so much more confidence and just you can breathe and you're opening up your chest and you're ready to do it. So true. Small things like that is a great way to start to be able to really flip that mindset and be able to do the things that you don't want to do or get that motivation back into it. Yeah. But yeah, they're my favorites. Hey, by the way, I mean... It's a public holiday today, right, Georgie? And we are motivated. We are sitting here. It is 9.30 in the morning. We're practicing what we preach. Exactly. All right. Well, I think think we're done and we can continue our Monday public holiday. Mm, Keep grinding it out. (laughs) Yeah. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. I am going out to do actually some work today. Lovely. That's all good. And I know, Georgie, you're at work, so we're doing good. We are. We are motivated. We're getting there, flipping our mindsets. But, yes, we do hope that 
at least, you know, they might be really obvious things on how to get yourself in the industry, but it's about probably taking it back to the basics. You know, you can get caught up looking at the bigger picture and make it really intimidating for yourself. But if you just do the small things first, then everything will kind of just start falling into place. Be a bit easier. Agree. Mm. Agree. And also anyone who's listening and you want to reach out and chat, we are always here here for for a good good chat. chat. So please (laughs) do. We look forward to talking to anyone who has some great insights on this as well. Or you know what, if you need a pep talk, I'm great at giving them. Terrible at receiving them, but can give. You are terrible at receiving them, but you're great at giving them, Georgie. (laughs) All right, Georgie, well, let's, let's finish off our Monday morning with a fabulous... Georgie, can I get a whoop whoop? A whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Love it. Have a good day. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers.